Thank you for choosing this podcast for the BGSM community. I'm Daniel Friedman, and today I'm excited to be speaking with Professor Jess Farnzo, who is the Bloomberg Distinguished Associate Professor of Ethics and Global Food and Agriculture at the John Hopkins Berman Institute of Bioethics, the School of Advanced International Studies, and the Bloomberg School of Public Health. Professor Farnzo holds a PhD in nutrition and has worked as an assistant professor of nutrition in the Institute of Human Nutrition and Department of Pediatrics at Columbia University in New York. Professor Farnzo, thank you for being on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. On the 17th of January, we witnessed the global launch of the Eat Lancet Commission on Food, Planet and Health, which delivered the first full scientific review of what constitutes a healthy diet from a sustainable food system. Could you start by giving our listeners a brief overview of the commission and why it's needed? Yeah, the commission was established about two years ago, and it brought together 37 scientists from 16 countries coming from a range of different disciplinary fields, human health and nutrition, agriculture, ecology, uh, environmental sustainability, political science, and even within that, experts on certain Uh, aspects of food systems, whether it be uh, diets, um, certain commodities like fish or um, oceans and and, and, and other disciplines. So it it was a two-year endeavor that, as you had introduced, tried to come up with some global scientific targets for healthy diets and sustainable food production systems. And besides yourself, who else was involved in the commission and developing the report? Yeah, so so including myself, I served more on the side of nutritionists, nutritionists who works more in low and middle income countries. We had a range of of different experts, some who focused on non-communicable diseases and obesity. Uh, we had experts who work on livestock food systems, fish systems. We had experts who are ecologists, planetary scientists, human epidemiologists. So we had a real range of different experts coming together, which makes for coming up with agreed targets on how to improve food systems really challenging because everyone is coming from different disciplines. They come from different ways of of doing science and research. So while it was the result is what I think is a very exciting report, it was quite challenging to get to that point for a two-year endeavor. And why now is a report like this needed? That's a great question. There's a lot of reports right now looking at, of course, climate change being one of the world's grand challenges. But there's also a lot of reports looking at our food system. You know, what what's going wrong with the food system? Why are people getting more obese? Why do we have 2.1 billion adults who are overweight and obese? Why do we still have hunger in the world? You know, we have 840 million people who are still hungry, which is incredible. And we still have many children and women who are still struggling with undernutrition. 20% of the world's children are chronically undernourished or stunted. So there's been a lot of reports looking at food and and looking at climate and the environment and, and what's gone wrong. I think this commission report takes it one step further. And what it does is, is establishes targets 
It establishes a healthy reference diet. You know, what is the optimal diet for human health? And then at the same time, it establishes scientific targets for food systems and staying in the environmental boundaries that the planet can sustain, right? So it sets these targets. And when you set targets, it always it has positives and negatives because the positives is that you've established targets and it's something for the world to then aim for and ensure they get to those targets. At the same time, it can be controversial because people can disagree with those targets and why they're being set and that it's prescriptive. So the commission report, while exciting, will also hopefully spur some debate around setting targets in a certain time frame. And and hopefully more of the debate will be on how do we reach those targets. So this report now is very timely in that We've seen a lot of science around the problem. We've seen a lot of science around potential solutions, but this commission report really sets the targets of where we need to go and how we need to get there. Why should the BJSM community take notice of all of this? Why is it something that needs the attention of sport and exercise medicine clinicians? Yeah, I think it's really important because when we think about food systems, one of their main objectives is to deliver deliver on diets, to ensure that the world's population gets access to healthy diets. The problem is, is that diets have now become one of the major risk factors of disease, mortality, and morbidity. And so what we're eating is really contributing to the whole disease burden globally. So this becomes really important for those working in medicine, health, physiology, kinesiology, exercise, what have you, because the patient population that health practitioners see are eating food every day, right? And and we now know that what we are eating is contributing to disease. So health practitioners need to understand what's happening in the food system. Why are their patients becoming obese? Why are they struggling and suffering from certain disease patterns? And how does the food system contribute to that? So as part of their practice and their what they do to help their patients, they need to really be thinking about what role the food system plays because their patients are you know, consuming from that food system every day. So, and, and the interesting part of this report is that it sits in the Lancet Journal, a British medical journal. So we are trying to draw attention to the health community that they need to start thinking about food as an important part of the health system. The commission had five working groups that each investigated a different question. According to the report, what exactly is a healthy diet or, as you alluded to before, an optimal diet for human health? It goes into quite detail about what is a healthy diet, and it sets this reference diet. And the diet is made up of different food groups, um, as well as specific foods. And those those food groups are classified the amount one should consume each day. And a lot of that literature is based, uh, or th- those recommendations are based on the literature of evidence of optimal health or reducing disease risk. So what does that what does that diet look like? It 
It's one that is high in fruits and vegetables, one that's high in legumes, beans, one that's high in whole grains, one that minimizes things like processed meats. So we're thinking salted, cured type meats, uh, low in uh, saturated fats, low in lard, low in um, high sodium, very highly processed packaged foods. So we're looking more at diets that are rich in whole grains, vegetables, fruits, lower environmental impact animal source foods like chicken, fish, eggs, and, and trying to minimize those, those really highly processed packaged foods like cookies, instant noodles, etc. So it's what we think of when we think of things like a more flexitarian diet or a, a more dominant plant-based diet or a Mediterranean type diet. If we can focus on the notion of plant-based diets, I understand mm-hmm. that one area of focus of the report is perhaps the exact opposite, which is meat. And mm-hmm. meat's a controversial topic for many in the nutrition world, as you know. What mm-hmm. does the commission have to say about the consumption of meat and other animal products today? The commission is the most, one of the most controversial pieces of the commission is really on the meat recommendation of for those countries or those populations or even those individuals who consume high amounts of red meat, the recommendation is to come way down on that red meat consumption. And it's specifically red meat. And so that's not everyone in the world, but it does target those countries or places or people that are consuming just way too much red meat. Because one, you don't need that much red meat in your diet. It's not necessary for human health. It's actually not healthy for for human health. It puts you at risk for certain uh, diseases like cardiovascular disease, colorectal cancer, um, and it's not great for the environment. That said, there's I think there's two important caveats. One caveat is that in some places in the world, low-income countries, deep rural places, those who can't get access to a rich source of animal source foods because it's out of reach, it's too expensive. They a, a lot of the times those populations just don't get enough of those types of foods. And we know that animal source foods are important for growth, cognitive development, addressing micronutrient deficiencies. So those populations need to get more animal source foods. Now, how to do that is the important part of that. You know, rebuilding value chains, food supply chains, ensuring those populations can afford those foods. That is a really key piece that we need to understand and a nuance to the commission report. So we're not arguing that everyone needs to cut out all types of meat everywhere in the world, but there are some populations that are getting way too much and it's just not necessary. necessary. So it's a real equity issue. The other important part of the commission report is that when we look at the whole suite of environmental indicators, not just greenhouse gases, but water footprint, land use and deforestation, and other environmental indicators that are alarmingly not going in the right direction, it's not just changing diets and eliminating red meat. It's also about reducing food loss and waste, you know, waste at the household, waste at restaurants, and food loss on farms as well as better agriculture technology. So 
I think what what gets lost a lot in the headlines is that, okay, well, everyone needs to just stop eating red meat. No, we need a multi-pronged approach to this that's going to involve different types of interventions, different political actions that are going to involve agriculture, agriculture technology, different types of agriculture practices, a lot of behavior change from governments, private sector, consumers, farmers, and changing diets in some places. So it's it's really a, a multifaceted type approach that we need. When you speak about a multifaceted approach and talk about some of these upstream primordial interventions that need to take place, I think a lot of it can get lost at the ground level with many of the clinicians who are seeing patients day to day. What do you think sport and exercise medicine clinicians in particular can do to play their part in all of this? I think uh, what they can do is really try to understand what their patients are eating, what their struggles are day to day in trying to meet their family's dietary needs and integrate that into their prescriptions and the practice that they do with their patients. And I think one key piece that the commission doesn't go into at all, but is so critically important when we think about human health is exercise, moving your body. And what's interesting is when we talk about food systems and food environments, a lot of that was, a lot of that language came from the built environment literature, which was all about how do we do better urban planning for quality of life and to ensure that people are able to get exercise, they're able to access healthy food markets, they're able to commute to work in a, in a, in a, more sustainable, healthy way. So I think the exercise piece with the food system piece is really important for practitioners to be thinking about how do we build cities? How do we build landscapes where people can get access to healthy food and move their bodies? And hopefully practitioners are thinking about this in an integrated way when they see their patients every day. Before we let you go, Could you leave our listeners, who are very clinically oriented, with three key messages from the report and how it could change their practice? Sure. I would say that it's important for clinicians to recognize that diets are a major risk factor of human health as well as the environment, the sustainability of the environment. So what patients are eating is is really critical. From that, I would say... The second point being that diets that include more plant-based foods and less intensive animal source foods like red meat and highly processed meats can confer both improved health and environmental benefits. And I would say the third piece of that would be understand what your patient population is eating and the challenges they face every day when they walk into food environments and have to make choices about what to eat. Try to understand that and how that influences their own health. Professor Fonzo, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. If our listeners would like to find out more about the Eat Lancet Commission, where should they go? Uh, They can go to Lancet. Um, they can go to the Lancet Journal and they'll, they'll find the commission report. They can also go to EAT, the EAT website, E-A-T, and, and learn about all the work that EAT is doing, which uh, 
is the organization that spearheaded the commission along with, with the Lancet. And there's lots of in, interesting interactive tools and, and things like that on the, EAT, on the EAT website. You've been listening to a BJSM podcast with Professor Jess Farnzo. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends or leave us a comment and connect through our social media channels. You can also follow all things BJSM via our app, where you can find more podcasts, our latest articles, and other content. As always, we hope you have a physically active day.